Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. Decisive Point welcomes Dr. Leonard Wong and Dr. Stephen Garris, authors of Veteran Disability Compensation and the Army Profession, Good Intentions Gone Awry. Dr. Wong is a research professor at the U.S. Army War College Strategic Studies Institute, and Dr. Garris is a professor of behavioral sciences in the Department of Command, Leadership, and Management at the U.S. Army War College. Thanks for joining me. Before we dive in, what do our listeners need to know up front about your monograph? Where are you coming from here? The essence of VA disability, taking care of soldiers, must remain sacrosanct. We do not want to violate that. But we do want to have a conversation. We want to say, hey, this is going the way we think. The whole time we headed down this road, we were worried, we were concerned, we were paranoid that, first of all, you don't talk about this. You don't ask people, are you disabled? Are you receiving this? And, and both of us are. When we did this, we had to ask the question, so what does this have to do with the Army? Because it's VA disability. It's not our arena. But we think it's affecting the Army. And so that became it. And we didn't want to come from the economic standpoint. Because that's not who we are. We don't look at, okay, it costs this much. Isn't that ridiculous? No, because soldiers are worth it. That's our viewpoint. Soldiers are worth it. But then we still detected that something just doesn't sit right. And that's what really motivated us. The more we looked into it, the more we listened, we said, this isn't the way the Army profession should be. And that's the question we have to ask. When Steve says we need to have a discussion, the discussion has to be, is this who we want to be? Because this is who we are today. Look at the stats. Listen to your people. Is this who we want to be? We're talking about the Army and the Army profession, but veterans' disability affects all the services, right? So we in no way are picking on the Army or saying that the Army is unique. What you found wasn't fraud, but can we talk about the subtle changes in attitudes for soldiers about the disability compensation? To gather soldiers in focus groups or individual interviews, what we want to ask them is, so tell me about these discussions about this aspect of the Army culture that we aren't privy to because we're not in the Army anymore. And so we started hearing elements of this culture, and this is the way to do it. And so that's passed along from generation to generation. You know, some people believe if you, all you do is this and then you get this. Well, that's not true, but it's still being passed along. We never heard anyone admit to doing any kind of fraud or violating the law. We just didn't hear it. But they would have talked to us about it. We, we had enough interviews that we would have heard something. It was just understanding the system, capitalizing on the permissibility of it, and passing that information along to everybody else. They would say things like, you got to look up how many times a month you have to have a migraine to get disability. They're not cheating or lying, but when they have a headache, they're going to the TMC, if you will, and make sure it's documented because they know that if they don't get these all documented, it will affect their disability. It's not fraud. And, and a positive way is to say maximize, which we heard. And another way is to say capitalize on a very permissive system. It was never fraud. It was gaming. It was understanding all the ins and outs of the system in a way to get you the most money, which we still don't think is aligned with the Army profession. And we need to have a conversation about it. It sounds like there's some serious rationalization going on there. When we asked them, so why are you gaming the system? Why do people game the system? They didn't want to say to get more money. Really, they look back and they said, well, because I deserve it. Well, why do you deserve it? Because of all the stuff I put up with. And see, right there, it's a rationalization. Instead of I'm doing this to gain money 
because I'm self-interested. It becomes, no, I'm entitled to this because I've put up with so much in the Army. And you don't know all the things I've done. And I don't get reimbursed for any of that stuff. So this is just compensation for all the things that suck in the Army. And I think anyone who's worn the uniform, we know what they're talking about. I mean, every PCS, when you're looking at a, a, a house full of boxes, you look back and say, nobody else puts up with this. But see, we used to call that service. We used to call that the life of a soldier. But you got to admit, in the past 20 years, it's gotten worse. We could just dismiss it saying, yes, you know, complaining soldier is a good soldier. Well, guess what? They're starting to view disability compensation as compensation for those things that you have to put up with being a soldier. I actually had people tell me instead of naming it disability compensation, we should call it service compensation. And they were serious. We all know how difficult it can be to serve in the Army and also how rewarding it can be. But when these people are quasi-gaming the system to, to get as much disability as they can, I think we, Lenny and I would say the Army makes it real easy for them to reduce their cognitive dissonance and say it's because of the way I was treated. And oh, by the way, there's only 1% of us serving in the first place. And then we are away for birthdays and anniversaries and graduations, and we wait in line all the time. And so we make it incredibly easy for the soldiers to do this rationalization. And we heard it at all ranks. That's not something that you heard from a specialist getting out after three years in the Army. We heard it from colonels getting out after 30 years in the Army. It's, it's not illegal, but really, come on, two-thirds of the people getting out of the Army today are disabled. And of them, 50% are greater than 50% disabled. It used to be 8% of veterans got VA disability. Now we're up to 24%. Within the Army, we see two-thirds are leaving with VA disability. I don't think this is who we want to be. Now, we have to be clear, if there's a disabled veteran out there, they deserve everything they get. But we just think that there's some something surrounding that dis disabled veteran that's driving the numbers up that isn't the way disability was intended. I agree, 100% agree about having a conversation. That's a really big problem. Even with an independent commission, there's no easy fix here. Not only is it a really hard problem, but the Army's not in charge. So we're talking about VA disability. It's not Army disability. It's a VA disability. So who are you, Army, to start telling us how to run this program? And that's where this research is also interesting, is that we're looking at something that's happening in our profession that we're not in charge of. So how do you solve that? Well, it's not like form an Army task force, do this, change this policy. change. That's not our realm. So that's where we came down to this independent commission is as a profession, we just have to raise our hand and say, do you realize this really good program we have of taking care of our veterans? that we would never get rid of, that we think is wonderful, there are some unintended consequences coming out of that that we need to talk about, that you need to be aware of, because you might want to look at the program that you're running. But we have to be careful even on that, in that we talked to senior people in the VA, and uh, we asked them if they thought this was going on. And you know what they said? Yep. But they don't have the levers either. There are so many powerful stakeholders when you talk VA disability veteran service organizations, and especially Congress, that there's a whole bunch of people all trying to do the right thing. So they keep making this, this system appropriately or maybe inappropriately very permissive, and yet it's having unintended consequences. So even the VA cannot fix this. They would just look at you and go, fine, let's go talk to all these other stakeholders and let's get at this, which is why we're recommending the commission. And the, the armies, we have none of the levers. Except for maybe when we argued in the, at the end of our paper is we have to kind of not treat soldiers so much as a free good so that they don't have that easy rationalization for gaming the system.
Free goods. Can you clarify that? A free good means that uh, it's not scarce. It's like air. It's always there. You can always get another one. And in the Army, we have a tendency to say, if, well, so-and-so is getting ripped off or so-and-so has to stand. He's been over at the clinic waiting for four hours. But for some reason, we always and they always thought it's OK to be standing in line because we're free goods. But really, if you look at a lot of things in the Army, we view soldiers as a free good. You know, OK, fine. It's not working out. You're not going to quit when you have that attitude. And it came from a draft army because they were a free good. It's been so long since we have been in all volunteer army, but that part of the culture permeates in. But I think what we picked up in our research is that we started seeing a consequence of that being picked up in the disability compensation culture. The system that we have now, is it sustainable if there's no commission and nothing changes and the numbers continue like they are? Some people get really upset that it's not sustainable because of the cost, but that's not our angle. Even if it was sustainable with the cost, we're saying something's happening to the profession that is not good, and we need to talk about it. Looks like we're out of time, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. Anytime. <laughs> Our pleasure, Steph.